Well, good morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. How are you doing? I got to tell you, it is uh, wonderful to be here this morning. It's been actually three Sundays. We've missed the last three Sundays. Well, I have family commitments, work, that sort of thing. We actually went to Disney last weekend, the happiest place in the world. I can't say that it felt that way all the time, um, but it was a lot of fun, and getting to spend time with my wife was uh, just a, a real blessing. So as we get ready to wrap up the Christmas story, I got a very serious question for you. Does anyone else here get as excited about Christmas as I do? Anybody? Okay, there's a couple of us. Good, good. I'm not alone. So um, you got to understand, for me, um, it goes back to when I was a child. When I was a kid... Growing up, Christmas was a massive event. See, I, on my mom's side alone, there were six families, so 12 aunts and uncles, plus, plus my grandparents, of course. And I'm the second oldest of 17 grandkids. And we would get together at my grandparents' house um, for about three or four days every year at Christmas time. And it was pretty cool. They lived in a, a small Christian community uh, called Bethany Beach. It was in southwest Michigan, just about two miles south of uh, Warren Dune State Park, if you know where that is. And we would just have a ball. We would go um, sledding on the dunes of Michigan. So if you've never gone down the dunes on an inner tube with about four to six inches of snow, it is an incredible blast. Going back up isn't any fun, but coming down is just phenomenal. We just had, it was total chaos. I don't know how my grandparents did it because, you see, it wasn't just that we got together, but we all stayed in my grandparents' house. Do the math on that. There was kids sleeping everywhere. I remember one year we actually slept in the hallways in sleeping bags because that was the only space we had. And the other really cool part that made it such a, a special occasion for us is my grandfather's birthday. He was a Christmas baby. Okay, so on Christmas morning when we'd wake up, the tree seemed like it was buried in gifts. I mean, there was probably a stack that high wrapped a skirt all the way around the tree, about three feet out from the tree because they bought presents for everybody. So six families, at that time, when I, when I think back, when it was eight or 10, there's probably 12 nieces and nephews at that point. So that's 72 gifts, not including for the adults. And then, oh, by the way, we also did my grandpa, grandpa's birthday. And it was just a ton of fun. I'm, so my happiest times, although I do remember... I wasn't always uh, happy. There was times I was a little frustrated because I got socks instead of what was on my list or, you know, clothes, and it wasn't any fun. And I remember there was days when I pitched a fit and I acted like a, a typical young kid. But one thing that I really remember most of all was my grandfather and the joy that he had. You could just see it in the countenance of his face as he just walked around the house in this utter chaos, singing Christmas songs and just having a wonderful time. As a grandfather myself now, a poppy, um, I can really come to appreciate what it means to have your family around one table. Well, for us, we couldn't do one table. Um, it was a couple tables. But all together to celebrate Christmas. 
And the joy that he showed us and the love that he showed us was very, very special. And it's something I will never forget. And something as I go about with my own family now, I want to really emulate and carry on that tradition. And, you know, so as I've thought through those things, Amy and I, we have had time together, believe it or not, these last few weeks uh, to talk. And she's very good about helping me as I formulated in my mind what I'm going to talk about. And when we talk about happiness and joy, you know, what's the difference? What's different between, we, we hear them interchanged a lot, but the reality is for me, there's a significant difference between happiness, which seems a little fleeting, right? It can disappear, like when I was a kid, because I unwrapped underwear, right? That happiness can go away in a heartbeat. But joy, I think, comes from something much deeper, from inside our hearts, an appreciation for something or someone that just goes to the core of our foundation. When we really mean joy, to be joy, not just happy, right? And today we're going to talk about joy and what it means for us as Christ followers. Um, as I've grown and matured, um, I've come to really realize how valuable joy is, even in dark times. And it's not just about Christmas, but as a Christ follower, throughout the year, having that sense of joy that we should carry amongst the dark world in which we live and operate so that others can see a difference. So today, as we're going to go and continue to walk through uh, the very first Christmas story, and specifically in regard to some very important players in that Christmas story, and that's, that is the shepherds. I believe that we can gain a great perspective from how they responded to this great news of the birth of the Christ child and Savior. So let us pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, as we read through your Christmas story, I ask that you prepare our hearts for what you have to say. I ask that you give my words and you guide my words and that they would share what you would have them share. I ask that we can be better, have a better understanding for the joy that can only come from you, Lord. Or just be with us in these moments together as we're reminded of all the reasons we have to be joyful. In your Son's holy, glorious, and precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, so if you can get out your Bibles, we're going to pick up where Eric left off last week in Luke chapter 2. If you remember, Jesus had just been born in a manger. We're going to start in verse 8, where we come to the shepherds as they were watching over their flocks. So I've asked Cameron Ingen to come forward and to read our scripture for today. So Cam, if you want to come up. Luke 2, 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. There will be, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared around with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorying and praising, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thanks, Kim. Much appreciated. Okay, now as you listen to that scripture, I want to ask you, did you try to visualize in your mind's eye what the shepherds were experiencing in that moment? I mean, think about it. They had just been sitting in the fields watching over their flocks like they'd probably done a hundred times, probably for most of them since they were young boys. And most of those nights go by with probably the most excitement, maybe, maybe a predator coming after their sheep or somebody trying to steal one. But other than that, it's probably pretty quiet. They're probably in the same fields that they've been in, their family, for generations. And then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up. Think about that. What could that have been like for them? I cannot imagine how they responded to that. Think about the lives that these shepherds had lived. Now realize, I'm guessing life was probably pretty hard for those guys, right? Living out in the fields, watching after sheep, which talking to Ryan sounds like it wasn't much of a fun job. They're not very smart creatures, right? They require a lot of care. They got to make sure they're fed, they're watered. They cannot survive on their own, and they're there to care for them. Shepherds were on the low end of the spectrum when you think about society. Not a lot of money, not a lot of glamour. They were looked down upon because they didn't have much to offer to society other than bringing these sheep as they had need for. But now the angel of the Lord stands before them. And it said in verse 9, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Filled with great fear. I think that's an understatement. Right? I mean, I would have been shaking in my boots. If, I, if I'm honest with you, I probably would have required a, a wardrobe change after that encounter. Right? I mean, think about it. The angel of the Lord just shows up in front of you as you're watching these sheep. And boy, does he have big news. The thing is, the angel of the Lord was speaking directly to them. So what do you think was going through their minds? We're in trouble now. Yeah, no doubt, right? It, one, is he, talking, is he talking to us? Is this guy here really talking to us, the shepherds? We don't have anything to do with this. You know, why me? What, what is he talking about? You know, I'm not even sure that if it had been me that I could have even comprehended anything he said because I probably would have been just too shocked to take away and be able to listen to the words of what he was saying. But the angel knew that their response was that way. So in verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, fear not. What wise words, right? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Told not to fear, right? Why? 
because the angel is bringing good news of great joy for all the people. And God was proclaiming this wonderful news through his angels, news of their Savior coming into this world as a child. You know, I just love that God didn't send the angel to the religious elite. He didn't send him to the rulers. He didn't send him to the, the glamorous people with the money, right? He sent him to the common Joe, if you will, shepherds who are working in order to share the greatest news the world had ever received. To me, that just paints a picture for what Christ did throughout his ministry. He wasn't nearly as interested in the religious elite and what they were doing as he was the common people because he was there to save all people. In verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Think about that. That is exciting. That is something that I think we just, I can't tell you how many times I've read through those verses, right? We've heard them all since we were young children. And I think oftentimes through repetition, you can lose that excitement and lose that appreciation for what was really occurring there on that hillside outside of Bethlehem. Now think about this. This was the news that the nation of Israel had been waiting for since the establishment of their nation, really since the fall of man. This was the news of their rescuer, the one that was coming to save, the one who would free them from the oppression of the Roman Empire, or at least that's what they were expecting, right? And to really understand, you need to go back about 700 years to the prophecy of Christ's coming. So I'm going to go into Isaiah chapter 9 real quick, beginning in verse 6, where it's foretold of Christ's birth. And this is out of Isaiah. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, I love this, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, <coughs> Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of, his, of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That is who the shepherds were expecting. And their image was that it would be free from Roman oppression. They didn't fully grasp that it went way beyond anything the Romans were doing to them. An eternal Savior, one that is there to save our soul. You know, a little perspective for the Israelites at that point. They had been under Roman dominion for 230 years. That's a long time. That's not their entire story, but that is what they were looking for. They were looking for someone that would free them from this occupation. And that's what they thought when they thought of the Christ being born. So what was their response? What did they choose to do? I think they did what any one of us would, would do. They wanted to go check out this amazing news. And so they went to go find the Messiah. 
In Luke, back to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. How do you think that was really said? So, what do you think? Why don't we go down to Bethlehem and check it out? I imagine they couldn't contain themselves. Think about it. Angel of the Lord, heavenly hosts. I'm pretty sure like, we got to go see this. We have to go see the Christ child, the Messiah is here. And we have an opportunity to meet him for the very first time. I don't want to downplay the word of the Lord at all. But I think oftentimes how we read those words really does matter. It, it, it's difficult to capture the amazement and the wonder, the excitement, if you will, over what they had just been told and by whom they had been told. So what did they do? It says in verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now think about this. They're running to Bethlehem, right? They're going to find this newborn baby. And imagine them showing up, bursting in, if you will, into the stable. They'd found the Christ child. In my mind, I can't help but thinking, just talking a mile or a thousand words a minute, right? I mean, try imagine them coming in to here's Mary and Joseph, just had a baby. Probably got some other things they're thinking about right now. Oh, yeah, it is the Son of God. Mary knows that, right? And these strangers show up with this overwhelming excitement and joy because they just had this life-changing experience back on the hillside when they were watching over their sheep. Would that be a little concerning to you as a new mom? <laughs> I think it might cause me to get a little, wait, 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 hold on. What, what is happening? What is going on right now? But I, it's pretty cool to see, see how it says. Um, what goes on, and we'll get to that here in a second as far as Mary. But it says in verse 18 that all who heard it one, wondered at what the shepherds told them. So the, the thing is, when you hear the words, all who heard it, you can't just think it was just Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine as, as the shepherds went into town, the other people that they had come in contact with, whether they knew them or not, do you think they could keep it to themselves? This experience, this life-changing experience, the words that they've been told that the Messiah was here, something they'd been waiting for for generations had finally occurred. I can't imagine them not telling every single person they came in contact with. Could you? Could you keep that to yourself and not share it? I think it would be incredibly difficult. But Mary, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You know, she had already been visited by an angel. She had already been told that her child was the most precious child that had ever been born. But to have the affirmation, the confirmation from complete strangers that an angel had come to them 
and told them the exact same thing. I can only imagine. And as a, as a new mom, I mean, I've never been a new mom, right? We know that, but I, I know a few. I've seen the change in my wife when she became a mom. I've seen what happens to a woman as they find out they're pregnant. They are, you know, go through the nine months leading up to the birth of their child and the, the change. There is a significant change in a woman when a baby, when they hold that baby for the first time. I've seen it in both my daughters. It is a growing up moment unlike any other. And for her to cherish those things in her heart, to ponder them, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. So back to the shepherds, though. Their perspective had been changed. They had seen angels. They had heard the heavenly host sing about the Christ child. And now had seen the baby just as they had been told. To me, I, I imagine it could only have changed your outlook on life itself. But it says in verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What an incredible picture. So now they didn't just receive the news, but they actually had the opportunity to, in person, go and see this newborn baby. You know, and think about the first time anyone gets to go go see a newborn baby. I'm guessing at some point they held the baby's hand. Imagine holding the hand of God. Whew. Right? And now they're leaving. I don't think that they could have left there unchanged by any stretch. The joy in which they shared had to have just been monumental. So let me ask you this. 2,000 years later, we know the rest of the story, right? We know that Christ was not there to free them from the Romans. In fact, he, he hardly engaged any of the activities involving the Roman and their rule whatsoever because he was there for a much larger purpose. And we have the benefit through the word of God to be able to understand that now. And to see that he came into this world not to ride a horse and to be a military leader to overthrow a worldly empire, but to defeat death itself. To provide a means for all people to be saved. That's why he came. So, when, with the fact that we have the rest of the story and the miracle that it is through his death and resurrection, and we understand that our future and eternity has been secured by that very baby, how do you respond? How do you respond? How do you carry yourself? I'm going to get particular here. Women, it's Christmas, right? A little stressful, a little chaotic. Do you snip at people? Are you short? Do you use passive aggressiveness? Or do you remember in the big scheme of things, all those things that we get stressed about, out about aren't really that important? Do you exude a joy to your family, your spouse, 
those you work with, those you come in contact with, and share the joy with them that they may not receive anywhere else. For the men, what's your countenance like? Do you walk around with a stern face, a hard outer shell? Is that funny? (laughs) Seriously, what is your countenance like? Are you walking around that way? Or do you have a smile? Are you encouraging? Are you uplifting? Are you showing joy that is different than the majority of men out there? We are called to be different as Christ followers. We have a reason to be different. And I'll tell you, I am not standing up here pointing fingers. You know, th- these last few weeks uh, in my world have been incredibly stressful, incredibly stressful. Um, work has been unhinged. We've had a lot of family activities, a lot of travel, and it's been hard. And I've been tired. I haven't been this tired in a long time. But God's been working on me. And, uh, you know, just this week, I found myself walking through the hallway in my, my work, where I work at. The, the hallways are pretty narrow. I mean, honestly, in some ways, it takes me back to being in the Navy. I mean, this, hall, this little path is wider than the hallways we have in, in, in parts of where we work. So when you pass people, you can't help for them to see you and to engage with them. And I found myself not putting off any bit of joy. I knew I was deep in thought. I knew I was carrying a heavy load. And it was showing. And God's like, hey, Greg, remember that joy I talked to you about? You're not emulating that very well right now. Oh, yeah, and by the way, do you remember how you left the house this morning? Do you remember your wife, the one who puts up with you for 30 plus years, and how you talked to her and how short you were with her this morning? You're better than that. She doesn't deserve that. You have Christ in you. You need to respond better than that. And it caused me immediately to reach out to her and apologize and ask for her forgiveness. But as followers of Christ, we need, we need to remember what we have to be joyful about. And think about it. Is the world a little COVID crazy right now? A little bit? Are people upset, angry, lonely, lost? In my lifetime, I can't think of a period for this long that this type of heaviness has faced us. You know, 9-11 was one thing, but to me that, that seemed much shorter, at least for those of us normal people day to day. This COVID thing has affected every single person for the last two years, and it is a dark world. But what happens when you light a match in a room that is pitch black? It's amazing what can be seen. 
That's what you are. Or that's what you can be. That's what I can be. If we remember and maintain the perspective that the shepherds had as far as the birth of Christ. And it shouldn't be just in the Christmas season. Right? This should be 365. 24-7. I know that's a high bar. I don't expect you to meet it. I don't meet it. But I think it's something we can all aspire to. And I think the only way to do it, I know the only way to do it, is to be spending time with our Father in Heaven. Because without Him, we are lost. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, when you think about what happened 2,000 years ago, we have every reason in the world to be joyful. At least if you've realized and accepted Christ as your Savior, you understand that. Without that, you are lost. I'd love to talk to you about that if you haven't come to that decision yet. But for those of us in the room that have chosen to follow after Christ, I want to challenge you. This week as we lead into Christmas, it's, it's only going to ramp up, right? Speed of things. I, we haven't wrapped a single, I haven't wrapped a single present yet. That's my responsibility. Um, there's a lot going on. But as you're making that drive to work, as you're in the shower, as you're listening to the Christmas music, ponder those things in your heart. Ask yourself, am I really as joyful as I could or should be? You know, the shepherds, I have to believe, were changed forever. But as Christ followers, so are we. And knowing the rest of the story gives us a greater appreciation for God's love. We're getting ready to sing a song. And I want you to do something maybe you do or, or don't normally do, but I'd ask you to close your eyes. Unless you don't know the verses. You might need to see those. But when, when you get a chance, listen to those around you and the words that are being sung. And think about it from the perspective of what happened on that holy night 2,000 years ago. And be reminded of what this Christmas season about is about. God came into this world to save each and every one of us. And if you know him, you can't help but be changed forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for loving us enough, as we read in John 3.16, Lord, that you sent your only son into this world on our behalf. I want to pray, Lord, that we can demonstrate a true countenance of joy to be a reflection of who you are to this broken world, Lord, and to all be better at being a light in a very dark, dark place. I know you don't need us, but Lord, we want to offer that as our Christmas present to you, Father, so that all those around us will have no doubt as to who we serve. We love you and appreciate you. Your son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen.